Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Done. And uh, we'll three, two, one, and clap. Here we okay. go. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Nice. Cool. All right. Do you know that Mack Weldon brings you smart design, premium fabrics, and a simple shopping experience? <laughs> Mack Weldon underwear is definitely better than whatever you're currently wearing. Actually, not in my case, because I'm currently wearing Mack Weldon underwear, Matt. Well, they're at least a little cleaner. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, you know, I love a Mack Weldon underwear. In fact, it's my favorite of the four pairs of boxers I rotate. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, for socks and underwear, there is no better feeling than culling all of them and going and buying all new ones. And that's where Mack Weldon comes in. You can do all of that with one-stop shopping. And if I sound fervently for this, it's because these guys are a great company. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. That's true. I have the undershirt and the boxers. And uh, quite frankly, they feel like a cool breeze when I wear them. And I have the microbes. (laughs) And they're shipped right to your door. If you don't like the first pair, you can keep it. Uh, and they will still refund you. So they don't want your dirty underwear. They just want to make a happy customer. Quite frankly, don't worry about it. You're not sending them back. They're great. And pursuant to our interests here, they even have a Vesper polo just like Daniel Craig wears in the new Bond movies. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your purchase using the promo code BONDING. Matt and Matt, Matt and Matt, Matt. Bonding Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the James Bonding Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm also Matt. And this is the oddest casting choices of the James Bond films, inspired by last week's episode with Christian Brun, who uh, I think sort of inadvertently inspired us to do this. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was quite a feat. And I have to tell you, I dove back into the James Bond casting choices and could have done a list of 50. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. In fact, it's worth saying that there are almost different categories. And by odd, we just mean uh, how best to explain this, that that it doesn't necessarily mean bad because there are some inspired Correct. ones that are Correct. just odd. It just means 
I didn't expect that. And boy, there really are more than a few of those, huh? It, it, it's really uh, fascinating. I uh, came up with this list, and as I was going through it, I was just really uh, surprised at how many choices where I was like, oh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Oh, that was weird, too. And I put some people in my list, Matt, that, uh, quite frankly, didn't have a lot to do in the movie, but made an indelible mark on my brain. That's exciting. I, I, I look forward to getting to those. I should mention that I kind of had three categories. So one of them is honorable mentions. And another one is because these odd casting choices can also be inspired but they should also be odd. I have one category of just plain inspired. And, and <laughs> those, for instance, are like Christopher Walken and Grace Jones. You know, they're sure they play their roles differently, but it's not like they're odd choices. They were smart choices. And then this might be a little controversial. I actually thought Madonna was a pretty decent choice. It just didn't work out well. You know, like it's not crazy that they put her in. It oh, just didn't sure. it didn't go that well. Same maybe with John Cleese. Or your maybe what? we'll see. And then I had Clifton James and Ruby in that category of just pure inspired. I love Ruby from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. She's not like any other Bond girl in that she's really just kind of I don't know, like uh smart and funny and, and a little aggressive in her own right you know she kind of calls the shots in a lot of ways like you don't normally see especially at that time i have to say that the i mean i would honestly i could list michael g wilson 10 times uh, i have him in my honorable mention in fact both of my honorable <laughs> mentions are cameos <laughs> michael g wilson and richard branson which takes me out of casino royale every time he's getting um swatted down in the tsa security thing at the airport. is it the fact that he's not flying a private jet that bothers you <laughs> i know it's that he's not flying one of those water hose jet pack machines <laughs> that seems to be his best mode of travel i don't know if he even does one of those i can't imagine he's not he has an island i yeah. think as soon as you have an island you are automatically uh given a, a water jet jet pack because how else are you going to get to that island? Yeah, I mean, you have to move from side to side of the beach. The hose has to be long enough, first <laughs> of all. It's a, it's a whole ordeal. But, uh, you know, they're super rich. They can, they can handle that kind of thing. Well, I had fun choosing these. Uh, and we each are going to do 10. They're our own 10, so it's not like we're choosing from an agreed-upon 10. This yeah. Is... Matt, I have a question for you regarding your list. Did you make a list of 10, and then in that 10 put these honorable mentions in or were those bonus people those are bonus people oh so kind of you to give our audience bonus people well uh, you know because you make me feel like i didn't do enough work no you you, no, uh, you were not expected to i went above and beyond and it was solely because i was just waiting for you to call me on facetime <laughs> well matt it's it's really fun should we start at the bottom of our lists i think and that's then the best, we'll just yeah. we'll just go back and forth i suppose right yeah Start with number 10 and head to number one. Matt, who's your number 10 most odd casting choice in the James Bond films? Oh, well, you know, part of it has to do with his mullet, and the rest of it has to do with the way he acted in the movie. I'm talking about none other than Mikhail Gorvoy, who played Vlad, the weird inventor in Die Another Day. Oh. <laughs> See, I'd put him in inspired. <laughs> no, for me, it's just uh, 
He's just such an odd duck. Like yeah, there's some really there's is. some people in the James Bond uh pantheon that I just that sit in my brain in a spot where I'm not like not like Tiger Tanaka, where Tiger Tanaka's like, I love that guy. He's awesome. Yeah. But Vlad, where I'm like, why is this person in my head? Yeah. He does stick with you. I'll never get I'll never get that brain synopsis back. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's gone. It's been given to this guy, Vlad, who his origin and how he started working with the North Korean general or colonel, I suppose. I don't want to give him a better rank than he actually has. Um, it's unclear. It's unclear what he's doing. Why he, like, he loves timing jet cars. He also likes making satellite lasers. I, I don't know. I found well, him. I got some bad news for you because guy. now he's occupying more of your brain because you've given him <laughs> this this position of status now. So. This platform is for you, uh, Mikhail. Great job, I suppose. I mean, That's these right. people should be delighted. Yeah. I mean, I actually really like that guy. I think he's a highlight of an otherwise pretty strange and awful film. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so, Matt, I want to ask you, who's your number 10 Oh, thank you for returning the favor. I'm going to go with uh, Zena Marshall, Miss Tarot from Dr. No, solely because she's so white and playing an Asian woman. Oh, yeah. She even has, I believe, blue eyes or something like that. And uh, I think it's funny. I looked her up on IMDb and her bio basically says this dark haired beauty. And I feel like for at the time... That was enough. Like, oh, she's got dark hair. She can clearly play an Asian. But she's like <laughs> French and Scotch, Scotch-Irish or something. And, uh, you know, there's definitely... They didn't shy away from yellow face back then. But um, <laughs> they, they uh, certainly had Asian actors they could have used, as evidenced by many of them in Goldfinger, you know. But Do uh, you think that uh, the casting choice is... It, do you find it odd for the time? Like, they probably totally could have found someone. They could have, but I don't find it odd so for white. the time, because I think that that was done quite a bit. I think I'm my biggest criteria is, does it kind of take me out of the film? And that does. And I remember even early on seeing that movie going, oh, oh she she's Asian? I don't, I don't understand, because they dress her Asian. Um, and it just... I, I, I've spent too much time trying to figure out if i was reading it right or wrong and i don't think that's necessarily a good thing for the movie sure yeah uh do you find that i mean the taking you out of the movie is a great criteria for this list yeah i fear that having now that you have that criteria you're gonna find some of my choices are like you're crazy man this is perfect casting that's okay well i think you you might find some of these put you in the movie i don't know they they take me out in fact, I'm looking at all of my 10, and they, they take me out of the movie. Some of them, they take me out in wonderful ways. They take me out for a night on the town. <laughs> take you out for a luxurious evening of caviar <laughs> and dancing. Um, okay, so, Matt, yeah, I, I feel like you're, again, I don't know, I feel like you're going to be disappointed again with my, with oh, my number nine. I, I support you. <laughs> my number nine. Is uh, I love, by the way, that I've had to look up all of these actors' names. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, my number nine is, of course, uh, Anatole Tobman 
Oh, I know, I know who this him. is. He played Elvis, Elvis in Quantum of Solace. <laughs> and for me, it's a, he's just one of the oddest looking henchmen who is also the least effective. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I love him in that movie, but <laughs> I understand he is odd. But I do think he's cast for his oddness as opposed to an odd choice by the casting directors. It, it, well, to me, it find, I find that the um, the hairdo, I wonder how much discussion was really had over his hair, his wig. Mm-hmm. Like, it is such a, it's such a bananas haircut. I th- actually think... But deliberately so. Yeah, I feel like I either read an interview with him or heard something where he may have chosen that because he wanted something like not a gimmick because at that time they weren't doing gimmicks for henchmen and villains, but he wanted something and that's what they agreed on. Like he wanted a bad toupee for the character or something. (laughs) Well, he delivered, uh, Anatole, you, sir, are number nine. His name is also just fun to say. Anatole Topman. Anatole Topman. Who played Elvis? They didn't give him a last name. I know his name's Elvis too. That's another thing. Some of the people in this uh, on my list that I had no idea what their name was. Yeah, uh, and then you mean finding... even their character names? Correct. Yeah, because um, it's not mentioned in the movie that he's Elvis. I don't think. Right. Right. And uh, it's just really that added an extra layer when the character name was weirder. I was like, oh, I've made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, you know Vlad. What I mean? So far, yours are Vlad and Elvis. That's <laughs> yes. pretty good. Uh, Matt, do you have a number nine? Okay. My number nine is the first real uh, example of, I think this is good. I like this character. I like this casting, but I do find it to be odd. Mm-hmm. And that is Jack Lord in Dr. Oh, no, solely Jack because... takes you out of the movie. Well, a little bit, but the least among my 10. But I think what's odd to me is that, and maybe they're going for this, but I don't get the sense that they do, is that he's kind of like as dashing and good-looking as James Bond, and it seems weird to have that competition going on, you know? I don't know. I don't know if I'm right about this one, but it, I do think about it every time I see him. And of course... This is not the casting director's fault, but those cat's eye glasses. Now I'm thinking maybe they cast him and went, oh, this guy's really giving Connery a run for his money. We got to femme him up a little. And they gave him some cat's eye glasses. I like to imagine that Jack Lord insisted on wearing those. Like (laughs) he was like, I am so masculine that I can wear these sunglasses and women will find me even more. Yeah, or he just showed up to shoot, and then he had him on, and nobody said anything. Everybody just assumed that that was a choice someone made, and nobody asked, and they just made it in. I forget who it, I think it was Maria Menounos. She was we did a pod, Nerdist podcast with her, and her husband was so obsessed with Jack Lord hmm. that she bought him at an auction Jack Lord's presentation pistols. <laughs> What? That had like pearl grips. Oh my God. And they had his name on it, Jack Lord. I would love to have those. <laughs> when you say presentation pistols, do you mean like like classic dueling pistols or just the type you'd put on a wall? I, I, they, were, they were fancy. Um, they were fancy. They were not, I feel like they're not like your average sidearm. You know, uh-huh. I feel like they're more like a display wow. sidearm presentation pistols when do i get my presentation pistols uh by the way i don't know that i could have just coined that term i so... love it. 
if you're out there and you'd like to give us presentation pistols. I would love to just have company over, and as soon as they come in, let me present to you my pistols. Let's get, let's oh, get that out you want to take a look at my presentation pistols? Well, <laughs> this one has a pearl grip. It's a, it's a Beretta. Uh, I bet it was a Beretta, too. The Hawaii Five O days, you know? That's yeah. interesting. Anyway, I just I've always remembered that. Like I've never heard of someone being such a fan of Jack Lord. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh is it the Hawaii Five O? Is it that he's so famous now? That's all I can think of. Right. Right. All right, what's your number eight? Well, Matt, this is a character whose name I didn't know until today. Okay. But whose performance has stuck with me for years. I'm talking about Jerry Duggan in the mm. film Goldfinger as Hawker, the golf caddy for oh, James Bond. Oh, yes. But he's oh, odd again, huh? <laughs> Are you confusing odd with memorable? <laughs> I don't know. Sir, it's your honor. Sir, it's your honor. If that's his ball, then I'm Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Like I've I've, I've memorized great. all of his lines, every yeah. delivery of which he gets, and it's just, I mean, it's a credit to the man, I suppose. Maybe my list is back ass backwards. Like I, I don't know. I knew the reason I would enjoy this is that I knew I would be forgetting lots of people because I've sc- been scanning the movies in my brain, and I did not even think of him. But that's a great choice. <laughs> he's um he's. When you really think about it, in that movie, he is James Bond's odd job. Yeah. And his right. name is Hawker. Hawker. Huh. And his, also his name is Jerry Duggan, spelled exactly like comic book writer and friend of, of the pod. Well, a friend of me, uh, Jerry Duggan. Yeah, he's a nice fella, that guy. I love Jerry. I bet they uh, both are. You know, I, I, I'm willing to bet that the uh, Hawker Jerry Duggan is no longer with us. I think you're probably right. In fact, he probably lasted a week after the movie. What? Uh, th- oh, this is a fun. This is a fun game. This is a new wrinkle oh. in this. Are they alive or dead? No, no. Oh. It's not even that. That's not the game. You're very close, though. Matt, tell me, what year do you think Jerry Duggan, the actor who portrayed Hawker, died? <laughs> um. All right. Goldfinger came out in what? In 64. 64. I'll and say I'm, I'm going to play along. I'm going to play along. I'll say 1970. You think he died in 1970. So you think that we saw him six years before he passed. Yeah. I think he held on. I think he held on until 1981. That's my and, guess. Here we go. I'm it? Yeah. looking it up. Uh, 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 uh. Whoa! Jerry Duggan was with us until 1990. Wow. How old was he when he died? He was 81. He was born in 1910. Jeez. And so he was 54 in Goldfinger. Wow. Born in uh, Wait, Dublin. Wait, he's 54 in Goldfinger? He's 54 in he that movie. He seems 70. <laughs> 54? <laughs> he's 10 years older than me right now in that movie. Oh. He was born in Dublin, Ireland, and uh, passed away in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Oh, good for him. Got some sun in his golden years. He really, uh, he's one of my favorite 
peripheral weird characters. And as far as things that I've other things I've seen that he has been in, the answer is nothing. Mm. He's been in a f- lot of stuff, yeah. but I've not seen any of the things he's in. Well, let me ask you this about Zena Marshall, who played Miss Tarot. Do you think she's alive or dead? Oh, Zena Marshall, who played Miss Tarot. Oh, I think everyone at home right now is enjoying this new wrinkle we've added to this podcast. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, she was, that was 62. That was 50 years ago. She's alive. She's dead. No! But when did she die? I mean, she's got a. She probably died when she was seventy-two years old. So she died in in two thousand and twelve. Two thousand nine. She was aged eighty-four. Wow. She, she stopped acting in sixty-seven, and she was born in Nairobi, Kenya. That's probably because she was like, you know what, I'm going to settle down and have a wonderful life. That's without, right. Without this camera in front of me. Yeah, I've played a Bond girl. That's all I need. What else do you need? I mean, I tell you what, the second I get cast as a Bond girl, done. Yeah, same here. Because <laughs> then I'll be saying, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Although, if they do a female Bond, we could... Uh, oh. Now, okay, oh, I'd now love to I'm be on just board. Now the, I'm on board. The beau fatale. Now I'm on board. Yeah, me You know too. what? I don't even want to be that. I want to be... I'll be the first... I'll be the guy that she gets out of bed at the beginning of the movie who you never see again oh I'll just be the the eye candy behind the desk at a hotel you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I'd be like your, your drink Miss Bond I love it alright uh, my number eight yeah let's hear it number eight is the uh, the just the barely voiced charms of Wayne Newton in License <laughs> to Kill now, it makes sense that he's playing that role because he's kind of a personality himself and he's playing a cheesy personality, but it still takes me out. They could have easily just put any unknown actor in there. Sure. It would have probably been a bit smoother. But I, I think he's really good in the movie. I, I oh, he's him. fantastic in the but movie. But it is odd. Yeah. He's great in Vegas Vacation as well. But in <laughs> Vegas right. Vacation, he's playing himself. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he's I also he's... in Ford Fairlane. Right, he's playing a heightened version of himself in yeah. in in uh, in License to Kill. I think we well, talk uh, about that when she steals the money back when they're running, and he just isn't mad, and he just goes, "Bless, bless, bless you." <laughs> so good. Uh, okay, Matt. Now, since we both know that Wayne Newton is still with us, here's my yeah. question to you. This is our trivia question. This is our guessing game with okay. Wayne Newton. How old was Wayne Newton? When License to Kill came out. Oh, okay. So that's 89. Mm-hmm. He's, how old is he now? He's I can't be, tell you that. I no, know. No. I'm just talking to my brain. Okay. All right. Let's hear I'd your brain. I'd say he's, I'd say he's probably close to 80. So that was, what, 30 years ago. Yeah. That movie. I can't, he had to be in his 50s. Maybe not. I'll put him at. 52 you'll put him at 52 so that was 89 you think he was 52 and 89 you know I, Dunkashane came out you know he was a kid though yeah he was a kid so let's say he was 16 when Dunkashane came out I'm gonna say he was born in 19 19 I'm gonna say he was born in 1945 so that would make him 54 when that movie came out Okay. All right, let's see. Wayne Newton, ladies and gentlemen. 
was born in 1942. So he was 50. Oh, so he's 76. He's 57 years old in that movie. 57, wow, okay. Right? No, 47. Are you kidding me? He's 47 in that movie? Right, 1942 yeah, to 1982, he's, he's 47. He's 47 years old. Three years older than me right now. Do you now. feel like the world, like this is making you feel youthful no. or old? Old. <laughs> but you think about how you look. You look so much younger than Wayne Newton does in that movie. I don't know. I took a look in the mirror the other day and just about helped myself to a... To like, I wanted to help myself walk. Does that make sense? Like, I oh, wanted to gra- sure. grab, put one arm on my small of my back and the other grab my hand and go, Hey, grandpa, do you need to sit down? Is it the fact that your beard is the greatest white I've ever seen in a beard? I it is it. pretty gray. I yeah. love that. I love that beard. You got a great beard going on. Oh, you know, you. what I want you not to do, Matt, is get as much plastic surgery. As the Wayne Newton picture I've just sent you. <laughs> There's no possible way another human could get that much plastic surgery. What did you send it? Via email or text? Uh, I, said, I, I text messaged it to you. I'm excited to see this. <laughs> it's insane. Meanwhile, meanwhile, it's insane. All right. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. You have to send this to Emily to put on Instagram. And it's not that we're into making fun of people's plastic surgery, but this is a whole new level. I mean, it's really just a... Uh, you wonder how he would have aged, naturally. He's you know what I mean? Virtually unrecognizable. I don't know. I mean, when I look at this guy, I really... I see Wayne Newton. I.e., take a look at this next one. <laughs> oh, God. The whole shape of his mouth has changed. He looks a different ethnicity. He does. He, he, really he does. suddenly looks Filipino. <laughs> uh, Matt, I, how do we how do we deal with the fact that we both may have Wayne Newton on our list? I think that that just makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Is he next for you? He's not next for me. Okay. So here's well. what I'll, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to implement a miniature James Bonding ranking system. Uh-huh. So, like, if you if I say one that you have, but it's not for a little while, yeah. we'll say hold the conversation. Uh-huh. He's coming up for me. Oh, okay. And then we'll go. Got it. Feel good? good? Yeah. All right. Now, Matt. Yeah. Here's here's one for you that I feel like you are going to call me a lunatic for even this putting on this list. This is number seven, right? This is, this is, let's see, Hawker. Yes, this is number seven. Okay. No. Ten, nine, eight. Yeah, it is. It's number seven. Uh, okay. My number seven mm-hmm. casting choice is uh, Michael Gothard, a.k.a. Locke from For Your Eyes Only. I thought of him. Oh, you did? I did, because he's not your quintessential hitman one way or the other. Like, he's not crazy looking, but he's also not super dashing. I get this one. Totally. I love him. I think it's inspired and it turned out well, but I wouldn't have thought it on paper that didn't seem like a good idea. I think he's for sure. Oh, I think I think he's still alive, right? No, That's I think a... he's dead. <gasps> Ooh. What's his name? Warren Zevon? <laughs> what is his name? Uh Warren Zevon. Uh, Michael Michael Gothard Go- Gothard. Oh, yeah, Michael Gothard. Yeah. 
Okay, so the question I guess we're asking is: so you say he was, you say he's dead, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're saying he passed away some years ago, right? Um, would you like to do the game of what year did they die? Or I just the game it up. of okay? Well, here's oh well, forget Sorry. it. Forget it. <laughs> the game I was gonna play, which I will play by myself, and everyone at home can have a listen. Okay. Uh, how old was he? During the production of Free Your Eyes Only. Oh, yeah. Um, so, because he's such an odd duck, I got to say he's uh, 37 years old in that movie. In that movie? Yeah. Um, okay, so that was 80 or 81, that movie? I forget. Uh, not 82? No, 83 was Octopussy. 80. It so must it be, be 80 81. One. Let me check that really quickly. Yes, 81. So, uh, hold on. He's, he's 42. Oh, okay. I wasn't far off. Hold on. Wait till you see what I'm going to send you right now. Guys, I wish you could all be a part of this. Well, we should this do one a, you can. You can just, just simply Google, Google Hangout. Google, and you should, Google Michael Gothard in Warlords of Atlantis. Hold on. I can't get it off IMDb. Oh, Wait. no. Warlords Wait. of Atlantis. I'll, I'll look it up right now. Yeah. Warlords of Atlantis. What, what, what happens in a, in a picture called Warlords of Atlantis? But I'm one, I hope it's the right one. Okay. Yeah, the first Google image search that comes up. <laughs> Michael Gothard in Warlords of Atlantis. Let's see. Oh, my. <laughs> that is quite a haircut. He's actually a, quite a handsome younger man. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe he's no longer with us. And he's often wearing these type of glasses in the movies, too. So I feel like that was a style they saw, and they were like, you know yeah. what? We need him. Wow. That's a hell of a page boy haircut. That is like... But it also has a widow's peak of some kind. I can't believe he passed so so soon at 53 years old. Poor guy. Oh, man. All right. Oh, did not want to know that. What? He, 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 he had suffered from depression, and he took oh, his no. own life. Oh, no. Did I know. Did he say how he did it? Yes, he hanged himself. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Matt, it's time to hear from one of our sponsors. That's right. Thanks for, uh, okay, here we go. Hey, listen, you might know about the humor website Cracked.com, but did you know that there's a Cracked podcast on Earwolf? What, Matt? I had no idea there was a Cracked podcast on Earwolf. I did, because I've been on it twice. What? What? That's right. That's so weird that you have the Cracked podcast uh, seal of approval, but I do not. However, if you're listening, Cracked, put this guy on there. He's got nothing but time. Yeah, come on, Alex. You've been on our podcast. Anyway, I know what happens on this podcast, Matt. Each week, Alex Schmidt and guests dissect pop culture tropes, debunk myths, and talk about stuff that the Cracked.com viewers may like. On a recent episode, Alex and Cracked editor Dan Hopper explore the dark underbelly of all your favorite movies. Oh. Oh. Do you know that Howard and Kula from Who Charted were also on recently to talk about hit songs that are secretly or openly insane? 
So go listen and subscribe to Cracked in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Done. We're, and we're back. And we didn't even, like, cut. That was just one all smooth take. <laughs> well, I just was like, which podcast would feel the best about a segue from suicide? And the answer, <laughs> of course, is Cracked. <laughs> well, they had no choice. Uh Okay, uh, my oh, my number seven. I can't wait to hear your number seven. I feel like it's going to be a good one. It is a big one. Mm, mm. And once again, I feel like I have to stress that I, I mostly like this, but Charles Gray as Blofeld, I think, was an odd choice. I can see where you're coming from with that, because, of course, we had already met Charles Gray. Right, and it's such a left turn from what we're used to from Blofeld, but maybe that's what they were going for. But either way, it isn't clear. It's also not really a... I mean, it's not a different Bond actor. So, like, if it's a different Bond actor, perhaps. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. But it is it is Sean Connery who shared a scene with Charles Gray. Yeah, like Brad or uh, Joe Don Baker right. has two different Bonds. He's so in Dalton. Yeah. He's in Brosnan. Of course, Brosnan being the better of the two. Well, um, as we remember, uh, Joe Don Baker, of course, is in Tomorrow Never Dies, one of the greatest James Bond films of all time. If, um, you're, if you're scheduling between, what, 1995 <laughs> and 1996, I think, or whatever that thing came it out. It came out in 1997. It's the most 1997 of all things. That's for sure. It came out the same time as Titanic, man. How could you not remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. Because I think I saw Titanic like three times in the theater. Near far, wherever you are. My heart will go on. I have a question for you, Matt. Yes, sir. And that is when did Charles Gray <laughs> shuffle off the mortal coil? Uh, this is a great question. I have no... He seems healthy to me. I so have I'm no going to say clue. he died in... Is he an EY what? or an AY before I hit the Google button? Uh, I want to say AY. Okay. But I'm not sure. I'm going to say he died in 89. That's interesting. The His last appearance was in Diamonds Are Forever, right? So that's 1971. Should we change the episode title from Oddest Casting Choices to When Did These Actors Die? <laughs> I Do you... Matt, if you don't like the game, we can, we can move off the game. But I'm honestly having a delightful time. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to guess he died not... I feel bad for Loke, but I like it. He didn't make it out of the 70s. That's what oh. I think. I think he died okay. in 1979. All right, Here we see. go. Let's see. Let's go to the machine. <laughs> 2000! Whoa! I can't believe I didn't hear about that. <laughs> That's incredible. How old was he? He was... Wait a minute. Was he acting into his He was born years? in 1928. Uh, so he was 72 years old. Oh, that still seems young. Wait, how old was how he? How old was he? <laughs> Diamonds are forever. What? I'm learning so much. So he, so was... he was 40. No. Okay, so hang on. What? In, hang on. In, <laughs> in You Only Live Twice, right? Which yeah. came out in 1967. He was 39 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he played Blofeld, Matt. At the age of 42. Oh, my God. Are you telling me 
the Diamonds Are Forever Blofeld is two years younger than me. I am telling you that Diamonds Are Forever Blofeld, who lives at the top of the White House, oh is younger God. than you are, Matt. I'm looking at his uh, his resume here. His second to last... <laughs> His second to last credit is something called the Titchborn Claimant. <laughs> Which, what? Do you know there's a whole series of these movies like this, like the um, Holcraft Covenant, uh, the Anderson Tapes, the Something Conspiracy, these like 70s spy movies, although this one's 1998. What the hell is the Titchborn Claimant? The Titch... Oh, by the way, he's on two episodes of Tales from the Poop Deck. I saw that. <laughs> Admiral, Admiral Dennis Doth. He was working right up till the end. Yeah, Just looks he, like mostly English stuff that he probably didn't have to leave far from his home. What's the first thing I recognize going back through his... I'll tell he, you. The first thing I recognize is... There's some Sherlock Holmes, but it's like some TV stuff. Um, comedy of errors. Oh, boy. Wow. Uh uh, ooh, uh, uh. Shock treatment. That's the first thing I meant. I recognize, and that's like that spiritual follow-up to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, Tales and Errors. I think I remember as being a children's show. Wow. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was like they would do like Annie Oakley and uh, um, <gasps> Paul yeah. Bunyan, like that kind of thing. Oh, he's also in the movie The Legacy in 1978, which always scared me because there's like a girl goes swimming in a swimming pool and then a glass cover goes over the top just under the water when she goes down and she comes up and she's drowned. Under. <gasps> oh, that's a terrible way That's to all go. I know about this movie is that Sam Elliott is in it and Catherine Ross. I might have to check this film out. Do I'm you think scared. that this has affected the way you uh, swim? I think it did at one time. You, oh, he's also in the island. Oh, man, there's lots of stuff here. All right. I love that we're finding out so much about yeah. Patrick. He plays Malvolio in Twelfth Night. Now that I would like to see. I bet he's great in that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we should, should we do a podcast just about Charles Gray's body I of work? Could, I could. <laughs> I love this man. Do you think that would be any enjoyable at all? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look at some of the titles of these movies. Mosquito Squadron, The File of the Golden Goose, The Nine Ages of Nakedness. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Okay. Okay. Matt, it's yeah. time for my oh, number. Sorry, he's he does a voiceover in Lawrence of Arabia. Uncredited. Oh. Well, that's pretty great. All right, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to get to my number six, but Please. honestly, we don't have to. We can just do a Charles Gray podcast now. No, no, we can't. We can't. Uh, okay, here's here's one that I feel like you're going to be like, what the are you talking about? You say uh, that every time. I know, I know. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you the character name, and okay. you're still going to go, who the fuck are you talking about? Ready? Uh, okay, I'm exciting. Jack, I'm exciting. <laughs> Jack Strap is the name of the Jack character. Jack Strap? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> that is... Uh, Jack Strap is played by Hal Galili, and he is the most vocal of the gangsters in Goldfinger. Oh, I know who he is, yeah. 
you know, but, I just wanted to give an honorable mention to everyone who played a gangster in that movie. Yeah. Because it's the worst. But um, he seems pretty gangstery to me. So he's he stuck very gangster. Huh? He did stick out to me. And and you know what's interesting about him? He uh he stuck out to me and I just popped over to his IMDB. Sure. Right? Just to see what else has this guy done. Sure. And Matt, I gotta tell you, he has been in about fifty things I've seen. <laughs> really? Uh oh, I don't know if you're familiar with a little film called Superman Two. Who does he play in that? The man in the diner. Oh, I know the guy that, the (laughs) bully, the one that beats him up. Wait a minute, what's his name? Hal Galilli. G-A-L-I-L-I. Hal Galilli. He's in Dr. Strangelove. Who is he in Dr. Strangelove? Uh, Oh my God. Burpleson AFB defense guy. (laughs) Oh. Um, Oh. Yeah, so Look at all this. let me tell you, this, he's he's in so many episodes of The Saint, you can't even wrap your head around it. Yeah. Uh, he's he's just been everywhere. Wow. But I, of course, remember him mostly from his uh, overly New York accent in Goldfinger as Jack Strap. Yeah, he's played a lot of gangsters, that's for sure. Jack Strap. Jack Strap. Oh, he's in Casino Royale. The sixty the sixty seven one. one. Sixty yeah. seven one. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Well, my number six, and again, I love the actor. Uh-huh. I love the character. It just takes me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's an odd one, but I love it. VJ Armitage and Octopussy. Oh man, he Pro almost player. He almost made my list. Yeah. He's not the greatest actor, but he's such a likable. Oh, he's so likable in it. He's so likable in it. I really, I feel for him when he dies more than I do most any of Bond's like fallen allies. I always feel for the guy in For Your Eyes Only that dies in the that Loke kills with and leaves the dove pin, you know. In his, is it a Ferrari? Or Here's whatever? my list of guys I feel for. Right? Yeah. It's not a long list, but it is. It is as follows. Dove guy, of course. <laughs> Dove guy, yeah, okay. Uh, door slam guy in license uh, in uh, Living Daylights. The guy yes. who finally yeah. decides to help him. Right. Uh, VJ, of course. Yeah. And uh, I think really, that's it. No, uh, uh, Mathis. In Mathis. Quantum. I'm sorry, I forgot about Mathis. Yeah. But, you know, Mathis, I really felt about Mathis the way that James Bond did. Like, I just put him in a dumpster, like the dumpster of my mind. And I was like, I have to forget about this as quickly as possible and move on with my mission. Yeah, that was a strange choice. My mission to enjoy James Bond movies, I'm going to put Mathis in a dumpster. (laughs) Uh, So I want to hear a little bit more of why. why, Um, why? I just think because I think especially at the time, everyone would have just known him as a tennis player. Sure. And it's... I think it's because he was friends with Broccoli, but probably also like, you're Indian. Let's put you in this thing. You know, who knows? You're Indian and famous. Was he like we'll a tennis a lover? Time. Was there any sort of cubby Broccoli tennis love that went on? Uh, probably. I, I don't really know. But, it was like, yeah. you know, I should get in this picture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's your number five? Well, don't take that yawn personally. <laughs> it's just no, I don't. It's a little late. It's almost nine p.m. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned how old I was. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, 
this is a bit of casting and that in 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 a similar way to the way that Matt uh chose people based on them taking him out of the movie. Uh great actor, a legendary performance as Sir Godfrey Tibbet. That's oh, right, Patrick yeah. McNee. Okay. From a view to a kill has made the list because he takes me out of the movie. And why does he take me out of the movie? Well, Sure, it's partially because as a child, I did see the Avengers TV mm-hmm. series in black and white on VHS before I saw View to a Kill. So I would watch that. Uh, so then when he showed up, I was like, oh my God. It's So the that's part of it. But the other part of it is now in a post-DVD world where he does the narration for the first 20 James Bond documentaries that are on the DVDs, like The Secret World of Goldfinger. He does the narration for all of them. So his voice, I just associate with that. So hearing him actually in a James Bond movie, for me, takes me out of it. Yeah, I agree Patrick McNee, Sir Godfrey Tibbet. His casting is a little meta. It's a little winking, like if they were to put Connery in Skyfall. It's just a little too clever or something. well but matt, even matt, the, though i think he's great in the movie i have a question for you matt yeah how old do you think patrick mcnee was in a view to a kill oh i think the way to do this is think of what it what you think it is and then subtract at least 15 years <laughs> so i'll say he's 56 uh, so let's see. He made that movie in 1985. So he would have been 62 years old. Oh, wow. I have to tell you, I was in San Francisco this weekend and, uh, I drove right by city hall and I just imagined it burning and a big hook and ladder <laughs> coming by. And I looked over at the golden gate bridge and all oh, that John Barry score just rang in my head. And there's nothing, any at any given time, whether I think of it on my own or I'm reminded of that movie for some reason, just good feelings flood through my whole soul. It's a great, it's a great film. And, yeah. uh, you know, you, I, I hope soon we get you that frame that you've always wanted for that poster. Oh, you got and me you such put a it up, nice poster for you Christmas. Put it up, you put it up in a prime, prime spot, Matt. Yeah, I don't want you door. hiding it on the <laughs> on the front door in a weatherproof frame. Uh, how old do you, How old do you think? Um, this is a bonus question. How old do you think Patrick McNee was when he passed away? Well, he was sixty two in eighty five. Mm-hmm. I feel like he lasted quite a while. Well, of course he did because of those documentaries. So he's into the nineties for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say, I'll say he was seventy eight. Ninety three. He died in two thousand fifteen. 2015? Yes. How did I not remember we that? We were doing this podcast while Oh my god. Oh, Patrick. I that was this is this is quite frankly the most fun we've ever done had a podcast do. I yeah. mean, I'm having a blast right now. I am too. Well, get ready for that to change because you're not going to like my number 5. Oh no. But unless I say once again that Uh, just for the record, you can't yeah. say Pierce Brosnan. I know I thought about it. <laughs> This is not, but it's Brosnan related. I love this actor. I really do. But more than maybe anybody almost, 
in oh, this no. films, he takes me out because I, I always thought of him other than, uh, to, other than um, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He was always a TV actor to me, and he was always a comic TV actor. So when he appeared in a Bond movie, it really threw me, and that is Vincent Schiavelli in <laughs> The World Is Not Enough. I just... I, I, he's great in the movie, but it just is a, a scene that just feels so at odds with the rest of the movie. I don't know. <laughs> How can anything feel at odds with any of that movie? I guess you're right. That movie's just at odds with everything else in the world. Uh, what was his character's name? Doctor something. I don't remember. He died not too long ago. He Doctor... Uh, no, he calls Stomper. Gupter? Is it Dr. Gupter? No. No, that's um, Ricky that's... Jay. Yes, that's Ricky Day. Oh, I'll, I'll look it up. Vincent Schiavelli. Um, he plays... Hold on. Dr. Kaufman. Oh, so perfectly bland. Yeah. Kaufman. Yeah. Wow. He... Okay, uh, well. he, he quite a character actor i think a lot of people mostly remember him from ghost that's yeah that's it and, and i remember uh, him from wasn't he i think he was in moonlighting too um but he was oh, only right. 57 when he died that's crazy really yeah he always seemed older yeah wow Forty-eight, ninety-seven. he was in he was he was four fifty. He was 59 years old when he did Tomorrow Never Dies. No, he died when he was 57. Uh, correct. He was 49 <laughs> years old. He was the first digitally recreated actor. <laughs> what a weird choice. All right, we'll do it. I guess okay. we'll play that for the budget. What's your uh, number four, man? Well, you know, it's someone who takes everybody out of this movie. Man, okay. I think I think you're going to agree with me. Yeah. Albert Finney. Ah, uh, yeah. As yeah. Kincaid in I considered Skyfall. I considered it, yeah. Albert Finney is a great actor. Great actor. One of our greatest actors. But for some reason, his appearance in Skyfall makes me just see Albert Finney. And I just, I, I just hear you and Steve Agee. Yeah, that's true. It's like, you know it's Albert Finney, so you're expecting the character to have more of a significant end or something, because he just kind of peters out and disappears. I mean, he gets Emma across the lake, but... Emma! Emma! Emma. She still has her secrets. (laughs) Her old strange ways. She still has her secrets. Aaron Brockovich. Uh, he's in Aaron he's, Brockovich, in case you're wondering. Yeah, he sure is. Okay, here's the game we're going to play with Albert Finney. Okay, when is he going to die? Uh, it's a great game, but there will be no winner of that. I want to ask you the question, Matt. Yeah. Uh, he played Mr. Hardcastle in a, in, a, in a TV movie called She Stoops to Conquer. It oh, is his based first... on a play. That's a, is that, who is that? That's a, is that Moliere? Who is She Stoops to Conquer? I don't know. Oh, what am I, a theater guy? Come on. Oh. I'll look it up. I'll look it up because oh. I don't want you to know the answer to this question. Uh, Oliver Goldsmith. Oh, okay. 
that's that's not what I thought. I thought it was like an old play. All right. It is an old play. Okay, but it was written by Oliver Goldsmith. All right. My question to you is: This is his first credited role. What year do you think he played Mister Hardcastle? His first televisions. Albert Finney's first credited role. Mm. I'll say fifty-seven. You are. So close. 1956. Wow. Great job, Matt. Thanks. I'm really impressed. By the way, this podcast is probably going to be our most popular episode of all time. No doubt. Because people at home, what are they doing? They're playing the game. They're trying to shout these out. They're trying to like yell it out at us. And we hear you right now. We uh, hear you. You guys are doing a great job back home. Martin, Olivia, I hear you guys especially. Maurice, Maurice, you definitely, we definitely hear you, Maurice. You're the best. <laughs> uh, next, all right, my number four, mm, mm. Um, and this one isn't so much like, yeah, this person's great. It's mm. more like, why did you put this person in when they're clearly have already gone insane? I uh, can't wait to hear the answer. Who is Michael this? Madsen, Die Another Day. <gasps> Michael Madsen and Die Another Day, of course. I think they're still trading off Reservoir Dogs or oh. something. I don't know what. Nine. Because they, they dress them in the same kind of suit. 9,000%. Uh, yeah. Michael Madsen in that movie. I mean, it's so clear that he's in there for the future spinoff that they thought they were going to get. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Michael Madsen is also, I don't know if it's the material he's given. It is the material he's given because he's a terrible actor in that. But he doesn't exactly elevate. He it. doesn't care. He's <laughs> no, not yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. He, he is there for a paycheck. He doesn't want to be there. Um, fun, fun game we could play with Michael Madsen. Yeah. Matt? Yeah. I would like to know. If you could tell me the amount of projects he has listed for 2018 that are either completed, post-production, or filming. And by the way, just just so maybe you can, I can help you out a little bit with this guess. Michael Madsen has 282 credits on IMDb. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) My guess is... Six, and we will see none of them. They will not see the light of day. The answer is 10. Jesus. He has 10. He's clearly going to do anything. Everything, by the way, post-production, completed, 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 pre-production, post-production, filming, 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 post. What are the titles of some of these? Anything you recognize? I don't know. How about a little movie called Dead on Time? Oh, or man. a little movie called The Bend, where he plays a character called Sheriff Keegan. Oh wow! Uh, how about how about? Oh, here it is. Here's the here's the piece de resistance of Michael Madsen's 2018 credits. <laughs> I know what you're gonna choose. <laughs> he is in a film called Unbelievable with, with five, five exclamation points, and he is playing President Ben. Dover. Oh my God. He's also in a movie called Spats with one exclamation mark, but three S's. By the way, just based on the poster of this movie, I need to be there. 
because it stars Tim Russ, Chase Masterson, and Garrett Wang. I don't know if you're familiar, Matt, but they are all Star Trek alumni. No. Tim Russ played Tuvok. Chase Masterson uh, was on Deep Space Nine, and Garrett Wang was on Voyager. And the tagline for this movie is a different kind of Trek. And yet he still shows up in The Hateful Eight. Starring Gilbert Godfrey and Captain Kirk Stillwood. Now, judging from this picture I'm seeing, Captain Kirk Stillwood, Matt, is a Uh marionette puppet of Captain Kirk. Oh, my God. I have to tell you, I watched some movie... You know, uh, some friends of mine and I will often go perusing real religious action movies just to see see what they are, just to see how they are, how they do, how did this happen, uh, how did this get made? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And there was one with Michael Madsen, Daryl Hannah, Stephen Baldwin. I can't remember who else is in this thing. I can't even remember what it's called. It's relatively recent, and it was all clearly shot in one warehouse in about 36 <laughs> hours. It's amazing. He's also in a movie from 2017 called Cobra Gator. Oh, my God. Wow, that looks good. This is unbelievable. I, what I can't wrap my head around is Stephen Fawcett, who is the writer and director of the film Unbelievable with five exclamation points. <laughs> uh, because his first credit is in 2018... And he has listed five things that he's written. Okay. For 2018. Uh-huh. Uh, Perfect Citizens, a TV movie. Noah's Room. The Archangels of Dreamland, which is in pre-production. And, okay. of course, Unbelievable, which is in post-production. I'm going to take a look at his full biography. There is nothing. He is a writer and director. And, uh, by the way, he looks like he is about Michael Madsen's age. <laughs> So Which is 50, but, but looks harder. A hard 50. Okay. Stephen wow. Fawcett, I got a lot of questions for you. Uh, please come on my podcast. Matt and Dory's eggs. No, the, my, the podcast I'd like to start called What the Fuck is Going On? <laughs> uh, I'll sit him down. I'll go, Stephen L. Fawcett, thanks for being on. Uh, first question, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> How are you? How is this happening? Uh, Matt, that, right, was, a Matt, fun, what's your that number was a three? fun. That was a fun. Uh, my number three is, I feel like, might be on your list as well. Yeah. Jimmy Dean. A.K.A. Yes, so Willard White in Diamonds Are Forever. We can hold it until we'll hold we get it. to it. We'll All right. It. Yeah, that's right. In fact, I'm going to shuffle some numbers here. Okay, but we're still holding that. So I'm moving to number three. Yep. And I'm going to go. Denise Richards, because I get what Why they were going didn't I for. Think of that. Why well, didn't I think of that? Obviously, like, oh, she's one of the hottest, sexiest women of her time. But there has been no proof that that she can act, and I don't mean to disparage her, but she's just not a strong actress, and it really tanks this movie. I mean, it's just they knew they were casting a nuclear f- physicist. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying a beautiful woman can't be a nuclear physicist, but you need an actress that can act like a nuclear <laughs> physicist. Or deliver the lines in a believable manner. That's what I mean. And It's that really... Just, she's the worst actress of 
all the Bond girls, wouldn't you say? Mm, it that is that is tough because um, Man with the Golden Gun pops into my head. Britt Eklund. Yeah, Britt I still Eklund. think she's at least got life behind her eyes and in her delivery. You know what? I accept. I, I don't. Accept I don't that like being mean and disparaging. No, 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 like no, no, no. I, no, I just no. Think Denise she Richards, been... by the way, Denise Richards, fantastic in um, in uh, God, my Starship brain is broken. Troopers? Starship Troopers. She's fantastic in Starship Troopers. She's great in Wild Things. She's. Oh, I, she, Amanda she and I watched that recently. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that movie. Fifteen-year-old uh, me said she was great in Wild Things. Um, yeah, I think. I think. Current day, you needs to see wild things again. Well, I mean, For, I, current that day me bonkers is inviting Matt Gorley to uh, the, the newest screening of Unbelievable with five exclamation points. <laughs> uh, because, uh, quite frankly, uh, you sure it's not Unbelievable Five, and that's the way they're marketing it because they've ran out of clever ways to do the sequels. Do you know what bums me out? What? Um. It's the it's it's the it's Star Trek actors, me too, and actresses oh. that that wind up in these fan films that have money. Oh yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it bums me out. Are they? You know, they probably don't. Uh, they don't care. I mean, they're going to go. They're going to work. They probably have a little fun on the set, and they get a nice little paycheck. But it does, it just does bum me out. By the way, this movie was shot and filmed in 2016. Has not come out yet. And it's uh, I found a thing that says, soon-to-be-released sci-fi parody film Unbelievable, the movie, crammed full of ex-Star Trek actors, including what looks to be a two-foot-tall James T. Kirk puppet. And there's a trailer for it. In a in a aspect ratio, I can only describe as fat iPhone. Like it's an unrecognizable <laughs> aspect ratio. It has its own aspect ratio. <laughs> it's insane. I, oh my god! I love if you even Google "unbelievable" with five exclamation points, it doesn't even come up. Oh my god, Matt! This I uh, I want to play the trailer for everybody, but you you've I've given this movie enough press. Please. Find you it really if you have. can. I don't know when it's coming out, but find it if you can. Back to Denise Richards. Uh, she also suffers from being part of the worst line in the history of James Bond. That's true. The inspiration for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, she also is just... I don't know. You Usually in a James Bond movie where like there's two, uh, there's two female leads... You find yourself um, being on board with both of them. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> but at this least one, one. Yeah. But this one with like Sophie Marceau and, and Denise Richards, it's just like. Oh, that's the problem is the, the contrast is so good. Sophie Marceau is such a good actress. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do they have scenes together? No. I don't. No, I don't. I don't think yeah, so. I'm not sure. Maybe in passing. Tell me, James, do you still sleep with a gun under your pillow? That's Terry Hatcher. But anyway, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're into the final two, Matt. Final what's two. Your, what's it's, your a little two? Under, it's a little underwhelming because we already talked about him, but my number two was Wayne Newton. Oh, okay. 
Wayne Newton. All right. So we did talk about him, but... And I know for a fact that my number one will not be your number one, but continue. Well, that, I hope not, because I, I originally had Jimmy Dean at number one, but I moved him to number two, because number one for me is special. Uh, so let's talk Jimmy Dean. He's my number two. We talked about him last week. I like him in the movie. It's just, it's a crazy choice. I mean, he's supposed to be Howard Hughes, this character, and you put Jimmy Dean in Howard Hughes? I love it. I I I love Jimmy Dean. He's so He yeah, we talked about it a lot last week, but he is I what I assume his backstory is, by the way, Willard White's backstory is that he is an oil magnate who struck oil at the age of 12. Sausage like he magnate. did a he did like a paper route, right? And earned yeah. enough money to buy an acre. I thought you were going to say his first oil derrick. No, no, he 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 bought an acre of land, and some he drilled and found oil. Okay, and then from there he just became an oil magnate at the age of twelve. Um, and you know he had a business acumen uh, not seen in those parts for years, and uh, <laughs> he just built it up and eventually bought a hotel in Vegas, and also built sense. moon rovers. Sure, and were they? Now, we didn't really get to the bottom of it last last time, but were they practicing with new space suit technology or were they filming a moon landing? Yeah, that's right. We didn't talk about whether that was a a fake moon landing thing. I think they're testing moon equipment like kind of like Elon Musk does or something, you know. Sure. On a on a sound stage. Okay. This That's is fair. retroactively based on Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk, of course, appears in Iron Man 2. Iron Man Oh, that's two. right. Um, all right. So, Jimmy Dean, hey, good looking. What you got cooking? Mm-hmm. How about cooking some of that up for me? Come back to the five and dime. <laughs> um, now, Matt. It's time for number one. It's time for number one. Now, my number one. Mm-hmm. is my second actor from a movie. Oh, mine too. <gasps> well, I've had two Dr. No's, but... Okay. Actually, I have three people from my number one's movie. Oh, wow. Well, let me tell you. My number one is from your favorite movie. My number one is actually Willoughby Gray. Who played... Willoughby Gray. Who played... Dr. Mortar in View to a Kill. The German scientist uh, who injects wait, everyone. You start with Vlad and end with Dr. Mortar, and they're essentially the same person. I love it. Nice book ending. Uh, I just have to say, his, uh, his, his, it's so over the top. He's so German. It's out of control. <laughs> yes. The monocle... Yeah. Yeah, the yelling and screaming, the the, Max! Uh, the the shaking of the dynamite with a plan we know not what. It's it's <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, <coughs> but, but I mean, he he's yeah, I love it. It still makes sense to me because they're going like German mad scientist, and that guy. I look at him and I go German mad scientist. So let's uh, quickly look him up and. 
He's got to be dead. Oh, this is a great question, Matt. How? What year did Willoughby Gray pass away in? And how old do you think he was in oh, the kill? Because I bet they shot. aged him up a little. So I'll say he was 68 in that movie. And I'll mm. say he died at 77. Mm, mm, okay, okay. I'm going to say he was 60... I'm gonna say he was sixty. Lived okay. a hard life, and I and think how he old died he when he died. I think he died at sixty-two. Whoa! I think he died two years after that movie came out. Let's find Jeez. out. Okay. Willoughby Gray. Oh my goodness, he is a John Willoughby Gray, member of the British Empire. He is Whoa. an MBE. He is an actor. He passed away, Matt. In 1993. He was 76. I was one year off. Unbelievable. So that means that he in he was 70 years old. Or, yeah. Uh, 85. Oh, so. sorry. 60 years old? Why are we so bad at math? I hate this kind of math. This is so the worst kind of math. He died. He did View to a Kill... He was 70. Uh, eight years, so he was 68. What did I say? 66? What year did View to a Kill come out? 85? Or did I say 68? Yeah. Oh. Holy shit, he's the king in The Princess Bride. Oh, my God. What? And he's in Solar Babies. <laughs> no, he's in Solar Babies? <laughs> yeah, he sure is. But he is the king in Princess Bride. That makes sense. Let's see. Well, so why was he an actor just for, I mean, a, a, a member or a sir or whatever? What was he? <laughs> he was an MBE. So, I mean, wow. you're, not, you're, not a, you're not a knight. I wonder if he did something else. Cause you're it's pretty not fancy. Jeez. Like, it's not like playing Morning Becomes Electra uh, 1947, a TV miniseries in 1947. It's not like that. Learn him an MBE. Is that what you're telling me? That's pretty good, though. Let's hmm. see. I'm going to see his full bio here. Uh, Princess Bride, View to a Kill, and Madame Bouvery. He's married to oh, Felicia yeah. Gray. He died in 1993. Huh. I don't know. Okay. This was, well, quite frankly, the best episode we've ever done. We still got one more. Oh, my God. You're number one. That's right. This is great. Someone very dear to my heart. I've always loved him in these movies, or this movie specifically. (gasps) Someone I've spoken to personally. (gasps) Someone who I can't understand why he's cast, other than he looks strange in a nice way. Uh Uh-huh. Putter Smith from Diamonds Are Forever. (laughs) A jazz bassist (laughs) who becomes a gay hitman. And God bless him, he's just, his acting is... uh, well, I mean, he's learning. It was his first movie. It's just a, such a strange thing, but it's so strange it works, especially next to Bruce Glover. What, an, what a one-in-a-million casting combination that is. <laughs> it's really... Uh, Putter Smith, quite frankly, just seems like a lover, not a killer. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, he is. And his name's Putter, for crying out loud. He seems like someone who you would be okay on a road trip with you know like as the third guy 
Yeah. He told me the, the origin of that nickname, and I want to say it was because he had a little motorcycle when he was a kid that would just putter around all the time or something That makes like perfect that. sense. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Huh. Him, him and Glover in the same movie I as know. a team. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah, it sure is. Let's see what old Bruce Glover is up to these days. I know we checked out his acting <laughs> class last time, but what what uh, Ooh, is what Bruce movies is he working on? Right oh, this I forget is Bruce Glover's in Chinatown. Right. But he's also in an untitled Crispin Hellion Glover project as mm. Apollo slash old Brutus. Oh. Scammerhead. Um, hmm. Ghost World. I got to tell you. He does not. Wow, his first role is 1958. What is it? Uncredited as a witness in The Verdict is Yours. Oh, thank you. <laughs> wow. Well, we did it. There they are. Wow. 20 or so. Only Jimmy Dean and um, Wayne Newton repeated. Which is interesting. They're both music stars. That's right. We had and Putter Smith. Although I suppose you think I suppose you think James Dean is a Jimmy Dean is a is a sausage star to you. He's a sausage magnet, but I know he's a country music star. We had Putter Smith, who's also a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, VJ Armitage, who's a sports person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess Madonna. Let's see. Maybe. I had actor, actor, musician, musician, actor, 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 actor. A couple of uh, MBEs in there. That's right. Um, but, you know, it's very exciting. Matt, if you could remind everyone what film it is we're watching next week. Oh, this is exciting. It's going to be just like the moon raker goes. <laughs> and quite frankly, I'm delighted I tricked you into saying that out loud because I had forgotten what movie we're watching <laughs> next week. So well, everybody... We're going to return with Moonraker, and uh, you know what? We didn't sign it off correctly. I'm going to say the following. James Bonding will return. James Bonding Podcast. James Bonding Podcast. James Bonding Podcast. James Bonding Podcast. Matt and Matt. Matt and Matt. James Bonding Podcast. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.